Talk. Hello, everyone. It's Dr. Eugene Porter here. Now, despite both my vast and meticulous knowledge of the Savior Compound and its inner workings, I was not asked to be the special guest on the TNT Talk podcast this evening. However, I do suspect that this other gentleman does have more seniority within the ranks. So enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. This is Jason Warner-Smith. I play Gavin on The Walking Dead, and you are listening to the TNT Talk podcast. All right, that's true. We are going to hear from Jason Warner-Smith as part of tonight's podcast. Um, It was great talking to him. We tried to ask him some questions that the listeners would appreciate, uh, but now we're going to make you wait until the end of the podcast to hear that interview. But um, hopefully you will agree that it's worth the wait. It was was a lot of fun. Um, So that will be coming up, but now... Um, we're going to start with our typical TNT format. Um, anyone who might be new listening, TNT stands for Tracy and Tamish. Uh, TNT Talk, because we love to talk and we especially love talking about The Walking Dead and other favorite shows. Um, but tonight, there will not be any talking from Tamish, sadly. Um, she has a case of laryngitis and literally cannot talk tonight. So um, we really miss her and look forward to her being back, but I'm also excited to have such a big fan helping on the show tonight, and that's Sonia. And um, she is also, um, she writes and contributes to Undead Walking, and um, is just a super fan, and I know we're just going to have some explosive conversations, so I'm going (laughs) to let her introduce herself for just a second, and... um, if you want to share your first and last name, whatever, however you want to introduce yourself, Sonia, and just maybe just tell us something about you. Okay. Well, I'm Sonia Arena, and I'm going to be an honorary T for tonight. <laughs> and I've been a fan of the show since it began, and I've been writing professionally for about 12 years. All right. That is impressive. So she really knows her stuff. So last last week um, we had Melissa guesting on the podcast and now Sonia and and both times I think I'm going to be um just a little intimidated with with their commentary and all their analysis because they're really on top of their game. So we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> um now we we typically um ask each other three questions that we don't know ahead of time and we answer back and forth for each other and then for ourselves. Um we're going to reduce that to probably two tonight, two each since we have that cool interview at the end of the podcast. And um, then we will share our most explosive moment um, from the episode, and then we'll rate the episode between one and five sticks of dynamite. Um, if you if you are new listening, you kind of hopefully get the idea that we have this explosive type thing theme going on, TNT. Um, so hopefully that makes sense, and uh, we'll all have a good time talking about the episode. So... Did you want to start with one of your questions, Sonia? I'm going to let it be your choice. Or okay, did you want yeah, me to I'll go start. first? Okay. What you got? All right. Well, this was the first episode where we really got a good look at how things run inside Sanctuary. It's the first mm-hmm. time we've seen a group of the saviors together, and the first time we've seen them interact with the workers. So my question is, 
do you think that the workers really buy into Negan's whole we save people ideology, or do you think that they are just trying to survive, and so they just do what mm. they have to do? Right. Oh, that is a good question. Um, you know, I was surprised when that, that whichever person, I guess it was a female that said that, you know, thanks Negan for being there, um, that, you know, expressed that she was thankful for him. Um, so there obviously is some sense of gratitude for, for being able to survive. And then I have to wonder, is that, is that what they really think of it? I mean, I, I still can't imagine that they're thankful for the lifestyle that they lead, but yeah, maybe just the fact that they are alive and have someone protecting them. I mean, they're different. I know I wouldn't survive very well in the zombie apocalypse as far as uh, <laughs> physicality. You know, so if I had someone who was, you know, who had the means to protect me, um, I would be grateful for that, and you know, I would be willing to, you know, do my share in another way to to get that protection. But um, you know, it certainly seems like he imposes so much more oppression on them than really needs to be in order for it to be a functional like society or whatever. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I don't know because what have they seen before this? You know, if they, if they were, you know, terrified and, you know, not living in a safe place before, maybe they are just so grateful to have a place um, like that. You know, and then you have the whole, what is that theory when people get sort of brainwashed? I can't think of the name off the top of my head. Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah. You know, is there some of that going on? How how long has he been, I'm not sure I'm clear on the timeline of how long he's sort of been um, in this role. So it could enough time have passed where that's just, you know, that's maybe an element. Um, so that's a really good question. I, I think, uh, I think I'm going to go more with, the survival aspect that they're just they're just trying to survive, but I'm anxious to see what hear what you have to say about your I own actually, question. I agree with that because there was a when the workers were confronting the saviors who were in the table meeting, mm-hmm. uh, they were pretty irritated, and the yeah. one of them said, "You know, we work, you protect us. That's the deal." So yeah. obviously, may, maybe they have a little more respect for Negan himself, but when it mm-hmm. comes to the saviors, it seems like they're pretty willing to just throw down and be like, look, you're not holding up your end of the bargain. Right. Yeah. So, okay, so we're kind of on the same train of thought there. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens from here on out if we do get more insight into that. Um one of my first questions is actually, I'm kind of cheating, it's from someone else, Melissa, who co-hosted last week. Um, she always sends great feedback and, and questions and opinions. And this this kind of, um, actually, um, kind of is related a little bit to what um, you asked as well. Um, she wanted to know, um, well, first of all, I think it's it's important to say that she read a blog post that was saying that this was one of the best episodes in the last two years. So we're going to have to circle back around to that and see if you agree. I thought it was a great episode, and I, I know that you also thought it was a great episode. So we'll, but we'll have to circle back and see if we would put it um, in that um, type of ranking. But her question had to do with um, having, do we have more sympathy for Negan now that 
he did talk about his backstory um, and what you know about his real life, and and like you um, were referring to the the woman saying you know how grateful she was for Negan. Hearing that and hearing some of his backstory, does that make you feel any more sympathy for Negan? It does, really, because okay. so far he's only been portrayed as this caricature, this over-the-top, mm-hmm. bombastic, badass who kills people. And yeah. to see a little bit, like, it's always it's always been clear that he's very clever. And it's mm-hmm. always been clear that he is, like, one step ahead of everybody. He's very smart. But to see a little more emotion from him and to hear Uh him explain in his own words to Father Gabriel why he is the way he is, yeah, Mm -hmm. I definitely have more sympathy for him now. Okay, okay. I kind of agree with you partially. Um, I do think it it made him seem more human and, you know, and less of a a caricature. It made him um, seem, you know, more relatable but I don't know that I have any more sympathy from him because he's still making those choices. We've all had things, you know, in our lives and we're all responsible for the decisions that we make. So I'm going to be hard on him and, uh, and say, no, it does make him more relatable. It, it, it shows a little spark of humanity, but yet, no, I don't have more sympathy because um, he's still making those, those decisions. So, but it does. It gets very complicated. There's a lot of gray area because when you start, it does. the rules are different. You know, what are the rules in the zombie apocalypse? And but they are different. It, it would appear to be. And then you, you can you just look at numbers anymore? The numbers of people that of people someone has killed. You look at his numbers maybe versus Rick's numbers, and that blurs the lines. You know, yeah. you look at motivation. So, you know that that's. That's how I would answer the question, but yet if I really delve into it even more, you know, it it does become more of a stickler. Um, yeah. Because it's just... Well, nobody's it hands are clean in that world. Yeah. Nobody's hands are clean. Yeah, but I no thought, one, you're right. One thing I thought was really interesting was when he was talking to Father Gabriel in the trailer, and he said about Glenn and Abe, he said, yeah, I killed them but I didn't mm-hmm. get them killed. And I thought it was mm-hmm. interesting that he is morally equating murdering people with what Rick did. Like to him, that is the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is, that is interesting. Yeah. I mean, we definitely got a little more into his head uh, this episode and, and how he how he thinks about it all. And it does. It makes you question what you thought maybe before. So what do you have for your second question? All right. For my second question, it's kind of related to what we were just talking about, so that's nice. My that's question okay. is, are the methods that Negan uses are so brutal that he doesn't look at killing as anything other than a means to an end? Uh-huh. And my question is, do you think that that kind of brutality is necessary to keep control of a group like the Saviors, the group inside Sanctuary that's so large and so many different kinds of people? Hmm. Well, if Tamish were here, she she was like, I know what Tracy's gonna say. <laughs> oh, she has she has me pegged. I, I'm gonna, you know, I'm the one who's always gonna come out and say no. There's never a reason for that. Um, 
but but I do understand the question because it's this fictional world where things are different. Um, so it, it you know I I I do wonder. I mean I I would say no to his. I'm going to say no to anybody's brutality. That's just that's just the way I am. But you know if I want to immerse you know my thoughts in you know into this world. Um, hmm. Yikes! I don't know. Um, I mean a his his methods do seem very um what am i trying to say um like he seems to have a certain code um of of what he thinks is right and wrong and what's allowable and what's not and if you look outside of the sanctuary i don't necessarily see that same type of rigid code in other people um and those are also smaller groups would you would you say that each the kingdom the hilltop now they're all each in themselves smaller than sanctuary would you agree is that definitely yeah okay okay so volume wise yeah he's dealing with a much larger group you're right um and so like he's more he does seem to be more proactive like he already knows what his rules are going to be and this is how it's going to be you may not like it but this is how it's going to be done and the other groups seem a little more reactive you know especially rick's group they keep running to these other villains or threats and reacting to them whereas it seems like he came up with his rules from the get-go and it's you know his way or the highway but yet Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of wiggle room so in that respect um i think it's more functional i mean it's hard it's just hard for me period to talk about the brutality part but the but if i but the fact that he seems to have a very well executed plan of the way things should be. I think that is important when you're dealing with a large, large group of people um, because you, you know, it's just a, a management thing, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot of different kinds of people. And I think that mm-hmm. it's like with Rick's group, with the Hilltop, with the kingdom, they don't govern that way, but they also, mm-hmm seem to have a selection of people that are not inclined to violence or crime, whereas yeah. it seems like among the Savior's ranks, she's got some pretty nasty characters in there. <laughs> yeah, So Good point. the brutality might, I mean, of course it goes over the top because he is over the top, mm-hmm. but some degree of violence and some degree of punishment might be necessary to keep some of those bad people in line. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. gonna say, for my answer, I would say probably I'm I'm mixed. Um, okay. It's a little. I think his methods are a little over the top, but I think mm-hmm. there might be some point to them. Okay. Okay. I hear you. That's definitely an interesting question. Um, now my my second question has to do with Eugene. Uh, it's tempting to. In talking about this episode, it's tempting to talk all about Negan and also what went on at the sanctuary with the saviors because I just thought all that dialogue was so engaging. Um, mm-hmm. But I but I do have a question about Eugene and his discovery um, with Dwight being involved um, with being the rat or whatever whatever we want to call that role, um, basically finding him out. Do you think that that makes Eugene feel relieved 
to, to have that knowledge now, or does it possibly make him more unsettled or more uncomfortable? Um, just how, how do you think he feels about that, that revelation that he had now? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, I think that probably Eugene is uncomfortable with it because okay. it means he's going to have to make a decision about whether or not to reveal that. And he's not really comfortable having to make those kinds of decisions. Yeah. I like, think cause if he reveals it, if he uh-huh. reveals it and Negan gets upset, that could end up costing him his life. And it would definitely yeah. cost Joy his. So I don't think Eugene really wants the moral responsibility of having somebody else's yeah. blood on his hands. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, I think we're we're pretty much in agreement on this one. Um, because at first I thought, oh, he knows it's Dwight. You know, they can be on the same side. You know, but that's me assuming that Eugene wants to be on a quote good side. You know, there's that part of me that still hopes that he's has been plotting some way to undermine Negan or something that he's still really with the Alexandrians. But when I think about it more and more, his his motivation has always been survival and mm-hmm. he, he does like science he likes things black and white he's found something that works for him for his survival for his comfort and um so i think like you putting that other variable in the situation probably does make him uncomfortable because it's not as controlled of an environment now what does he do with this information and it does create an additional moral dilemma like you said, so to, like I said, first I thought, oh great, you know, Dwight's a good guy, you know, he's trying to be a good guy, but but no, I think for Eugene and his the way he approaches things, it it just adds, like I said, another variable to the situation. Um, it sort of uh, upsets the apple cart, I guess. So <laughs> you know, you know, what do, what do we do with this? So I'm hoping some good can come out of it all, um, but. Yeah, I, I he I've got to think that it unnerved him a little bit um when he discovered that. And I hope that Eugene is like you, I hope that he's still gonna come through for Alexandria, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. blame him if he didn't because honestly mm-hmm. in the sanctuary he's gotten a lot of respect that he yeah. never got in Rick's group. That is true. That is true. I've thought about that many times. That they seem to appreciate the you know, what he can offer you know, and are trying to um, to use that, you know. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. That's a good point. Uh, that always bugged me that, you know, he didn't seem to get the appreciation. I mean, he he did deceive a lot of people for a long time, but if they were able to get over that and still include him in the group, then go ahead and use his abilities, you know. Right. So. I mean, fa- Father Gabriel, if, if they could accept Father Gabriel after what uh-huh. he did, yeah, and they yeah. should absolutely have been better to you, Gene. Sure, yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm in agreement there. This is not another question about, um, you know, picking each other's brains or whatever, but I'm just curious. The um, the part with Rick and Daryl and the, the Jeep or Humvee or whatever it was blowing up, does that, I mean, I, I sometimes there's just things I don't know about. Could any of that ammo or guns, have survived that explosion or is, is it just all that effort is out the window? Do you know? I don't know for sure. I'm mm-hmm. going to 
guess that the probably not. The gun might still be operational, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to do some checking. I do live on a military some... base, so I should yeah. around. <laughs> yeah. Somebody could tell me. Get get some um some intel on that because that really bugged me because I'm like after all that they went through, all those people that were lost in the kingdom, if that blew up because those two guys couldn't you know figure out a way to you know agree or disagree you know better, it's just I don't know that bugged me. Like I, I buy the. I, I struggled with that part of the episode because it did not seem as genuine to me them getting into a physical brawl. Like Daryl walking off, Daryl saying no, Daryl reacting, you know, in a situation differently than Rick would. Yeah, I can buy all that. But with as much as they've been through, I just, I thought it, I, it wasn't quite believable to me that they would go to that, to those links, you know. And, oh, I agree. And, okay, okay. I was like, is that just me? Or, you know, I I thought it, it went too far. And then for that to be the reason that the truck or whatever blew up with the stuff, I was just like, no, you know. Yeah, no. I totally agree. It it didn't seem in character for their relationship at all because Daryl's mm-hmm. always accepted Rick's leadership and he's always gone along and backed Rick's play every time. And mm-hmm. I know that he's set on destroying the sanctuary, destroying Negan. I get it, but it's not like him to openly rebel like that. Yeah. Well, and I, 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 I it when he took out Morales, you know, that really shocked me. But yet he reacted. He made his decision, and they they kept going. And their paths, you know, we've seen them kind of begin to diverge in in what how they want to approach this whole war. And that has been believable to me. You know, everybody's like, well, Daryl's just had it. He's just sticking with the, you know, the original plan and he's doing his thing, Rick's questioning stuff. Um, that all seemed believable to me. But when it got into the, you know, fist fight and chokehold and all that, I just thought, eh, I don't quite really see it going there, you know. Yeah, so, I agree. But who knows? Um, let's circle back to that um was it the best episode in the last two years? What do you think about that? Uh, I would not say it was the best episode in two years. I would say <laughs> it's, it's it's one of the better ones, um, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't I wouldn't term it one of the best. Okay, okay. I would I would say I'm kind of along those lines. I would say it's one of the better <laughs> episodes in the last two years. Um, it, it, it sort of elicited a response in me that I haven't felt in a while um, from the episode. And I think it, it went back to a lot of the dialogue, like I mentioned before. And the, that whole table scene was, like I said, very engaging. And so many personalities and um, you know, a lot of quick wit. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's hard for me to put my finger on it. But, I mean, just seeing Father Gabriel and... Megan in there sweating, you know, and just that you just felt like you were in the zombie apocalypse. You know, it seemed very real, just the the way it was um, shot and everything. Um, so, I thought it was yeah. really intense, and it was really yeah. like I enjoyed the fact that even though Negan and the Saviors have now been around, at least they've been mentioned for. But this is the third season that we're talking about. Oh, yeah. But it's the first time. 
that we've ever really seen yeah. them together. It's the first time we've ever seen the dynamics. And yes. it was really nice to see Father Gabriel get a chance to shine because he's one uh-huh. of those characters yeah. that's always in the background and they don't really give him anything needy to do. And he mm-hmm. was amazing. And he and Seth Gilliam and Jeffrey Dean Morgan were just electric together. They were exactly. mesmerizing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you get it. That that's that's it's, yeah. It just it was. I was totally into it. Like when the credits began rolling, you know, after the cold open, I was like, oh my gosh, we we haven't even done the credits yet. I was just so immersed <laughs> in their conversation, yeah. you know. Um, so okay, cool. We're on the same train there. Um, what would you say was your most seemed like the most explosive moment in the episode? Something that shocked you or um, surprised you or was just very impactful? It can, anyway. There were a lot of them in that episode. Yeah. <laughs> I know, and but I make you pick just one. <laughs> I think for me, I'm going to say it's probably going to be an odd choice. But I'm <laughs> going to say the table scene where Megan was pounding Lucille on the table just because his personality flashed so many yeah. times back yeah. and forth, and you just couldn't take your eyes off him because you didn't know mm-hmm. what he was going to do. And mm-hmm. for a show that's going into in the middle of its eighth season now, to still be yeah. writing characters that are so dynamic, you can't predict yeah. what they're going to do, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I would totally agree with that. I mean, I actually considered one of, one of my moments being um, one time when he – um, you know, slam the bat, you know, and everyone kind of jumped, you know, I, I kind of jumped too. It was just so jarring <laughs> and that, and it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't just the, the bat, it wasn't just Lucille, it was the way he was talking and, you know, his shifts and in intonation and not knowing what he was going to say. Um, and he was, he was scary um, this week. Yeah. Sometimes it seems more, you know, like we talked about a character being funny or um, annoying or whatever, but he was, he was scary. Um, and then he would get, and he got soft in those certain parts, and you did feel like okay, he, he is a human too. Um, but yeah, he, he such great range in this episode for sure. So no, I think I think that's a great choice. I'm gonna go with um, and we all, we always laugh when we say most explosive moment because it seems like inevitably in Fear, The Walking Dead, or The Walking Dead. There usually is some type of actual explosion <laughs> much yeah. of the time, so so I'm not going to go with the actual explosion of the of the the vehicle, but um, that did cross my mind. But uh, for me, it was um, I'm going to say seeing Father Gabriel at the end, you know, not knowing is he was he sick, was he bitten, uh, is he you know some people ask ask is he faking, you know, but just seeing him showing all that strength through the episode and being so brave. And then just seeing him at least look so vulnerable in that cell. Um, again, I don't know exactly what's going on, um, and I, I would be anxious to see to hear your thoughts on that. But I just, you know, when Eugene opened the door, I didn't know if he was going to pounce him or something. I mean, he knew something was going on, but I just didn't yeah. expect him to be huddled there looking so frail and yeah. sick. So I'm very anxious to find out what's really going on there but I, I did yeah that was a that. shocker definitely mm-hmm. yeah and I, I, I any theories um 
I would hope that he was faking because, yeah. you know, his thought was immediately, we have to get Dr. Carson out of here. We have to get Dr. Carson uh-huh. back to Maggie. But he looked really sick. Like, he did, yeah. He didn't look like he was faking. Yeah. Well, on the it's interesting because on the, the Walker Stalkers podcast Sunday night, they um, had a, an interview with Seth Gilliam. He took a couple of um, fan questions or whatever. And one of them um, was about filming in that trailer or whatever where he was with Negan and was it really hot? Um, And he talked about how it was like 112 degrees those those days and it was like three days going on. So that was kind of in my head when I went back for a rewatch. I was like, well, they probably really, they really are sweating and uncomfortable, you know. So it, it can, I can see how it can be so believable, but yet even at the acting point, he seemed, the way he was talking, I mean, he just seemed so real that, um, like it would be a real sickness. And then yeah. I thought, I thought about how they had that, that, um, little exchange about Virginia and Georgia. And he said, well, we're from Georgia. And uh, it, it seemed like in Virginia, they did get, they had experiences where they got sick just from having the guts on them, which we'd never seen that with our, you know, with Rick's group. That's to this point. Yeah. So, we never had. Yeah, so, like, why would that come up if maybe, you know, I just thought maybe it had something, maybe it's a little, East, not an Easter egg, but, you know, maybe That's that has something to do with it. So, I, I don't know. I just, like, you know, and living in Georgia, and I don't know, you're not, are you from here originally, Sonia? No, I'm from uh, no. New York originally. Okay. Well, funny thing is, I'm from Virginia originally, but I've been here <laughs> for, like, 25 years. So, I, I still, I claim Georgia now, but, yeah, I am from Virginia. So, that was a fun exchange because, uh. When, when Father Gabriel said, well, we're from Georgia, it was almost like a sense of, you know, pride. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have that problem, you know. But anyway, I just wonder if, if it's going to, if we're going to revisit that conversation. If, if You know, could there possibly be something different about the environment or about the stage of infection or, you know, or of, could that make a difference? I'm trying to wrap my head around that. How would it make a difference if you're from, you know, Virginia or another geographic area, so I don't know. It could though. There's so much we don't know about yeah. the actual virus and right. how it affects the dead. That that could yeah. totally be the case. And realistically, yeah, we haven't seen the guts make them sick before, but they didn't use that trick very often. So right, true. Mm-hmm. It could totally be the case that if the dead were sick, if they had a certain type of sickness or a certain illness before they died maybe i don't know i'm grasping at straws but i think no, it's I mean, but, definitely but, possible yeah yeah i mean i can't quite like nail down a specific scenario in my head but but my head is telling me oh there could be something you know that would be interesting scientifically if there was something you know some variation so we'll, we'll go with that we'll, we'll see what yeah we'll what go with that but that was a really good <laughs> catch because i that never even occurred to me well, just like, why did that come up otherwise? Unless it was a, you know, a little shout out to the fact that they film in Georgia. Yeah, you know, I don't know, but yeah, well, it would be interesting to, to. I can't wait to find out. Um, and I'm worried for him. I, I want him to be okay. I've loved the um, evolution of his character. I, I, so I'm very fearful that he's not going to last much longer, and I don't like that. So, um. although now having been here for a couple summers. I uh-huh. can definitely see how filming in the weather down here in oh, the summer gosh. could make them sick. 
<laughs> I mean, because, yeah, you know. You know what it's like. And think about their wardrobe. It's like, oh, my gosh. I mean, we experience that heat, but we can wear whatever we want or not want to wear, you know. And they yeah, have to be inside yeah. in the air conditioning. Oh, yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, it's that time that we rate the episode between one and five sticks of dynamite, with five being the best. Um, would you like to go first? Also on this one, or sure, I'm gonna give it a solid three. Okay. Okay. It wasn't the most explosive to me, but it was a very solid episode. Probably the best okay. one so far this season. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, Sonya's a tough critic. I think. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's interesting. So we'll have to get you on again and compare. Um, because I, I, I have been, you know, we've been talking some, Sonia, and, and I have. And so I can tell you really like the episodes. So I thought, oh, that show, show would have gone higher. But um, interesting. Okay. Nope. I'm, I'm a tough, I am a tough critic. Well, good. That's, I mean, <laughs> we got to have those. we got to have those. All right. I am going to um, go with. I, I really liked it. The, the only reason it lost some points for me would be the sort of the Rick and Daryl thing. I think you can tell I just didn't really buy into that as well. It didn't really uh, reach me it the didn't same way. It did fit in that episode. Yeah, fit. it did seem a little, yeah, uh, yeah, that too. Um, but I went pretty high. I'm going to go with um, this is sort of a shout-out to Tamish because she loves her decimals. I'm going to go with four point. Five seven six two. She loves adding <laughs> crazy decimals. On. I don't know why. Um, she's a mess. Um, but I thought it was it was really good. It just like I said, it it made me feel like really excited again. Um, I mean, I love the show each week. I, I I do get excited to sit down and watch it, but it just I I don't know. It just felt kind of like um, it's just the engagement factor, I guess. If I'm really engaged in the episode. Um, then then it's gonna score high points. I mean, either either like super cool action or just really intense dialogue. Um both both get me. So this this was definitely high on the on the dialogue. So but between the two of us, if you average those out, that's still a really solid episode. So Yeah, it was definitely. And I think it was pretty well received among the fandom yeah. too. People seem to really like it. Now you write about um ratings and reviews and um you know some feedback from fans and stuff what what have you heard about this episode so far is it too early to know you know i was just um getting ready to write up ratings for the week uh before we started this and mm-hmm. all the feedback i've heard from the fans has been really good and yet uh-huh. the live views were really low like the oh. lowest in season two. Oh wow yeah, wow. and and as I write about, you know, live views are dropping for cable uh-huh. across the board. Like something uh-huh. like, I think it was like five million people in the last year canceled their cable subscriptions. Like right. it's a cable wide problem. It's not the show, right? And you can yeah. see that in the extended views, the show picks up several million extended views mm-hmm. every week. But yeah. This week the live views were even lower than usual. Okay. That's interesting. I wonder could it have anything to do I always try to think what's going on. You know, there's a Thanksgiving holiday coming up where people are already traveling. You know, I was thinking is there some other factor 
because that yeah. just seems, you know, why this week? I always wonder, you know, is there something going on? Is there something with football or, you know? So, well, I'm anxious to, to hear about the extended views then. But you're right. It, the the way you judge success in TV and viewership has totally shifted. I don't know how they keep up with it and what the, you know, what the parameters should be now. Because and I think it's important to know yeah, and it's important to note, too, that even though the ratings are lower, the show is mm-hmm. still far and away the top rating. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah, you can't forget that part. Exactly, yeah. Anybody would want to be doing as well as The, the Walking Dead is. And when you compare it just to itself, you might be like, oh, that's low. But, yeah, you're right. It's all relative. So. And it's consistent. Right. You know, it's had yeah, the same fan yeah. base for mm-hmm. all these years. But people still love it. They still watch every week. Fans like mm-hmm. us, you know, we're in this. We're not going to quit watching until they quit making it. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm I'm a lifer. I'm in. So the life of the show, I'm there. So you can't get rid of me. <laughs> so, well, I think that about wraps it up for our portion. Um, is there anything else you wanted to say about the episode before we shift on into our interview with Jason Warner-Smith? No, I don't want to hold people up from listening to him any longer. He was great. <laughs> okay. But thank you yeah, for having sure. me on. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for joining in. That was that was fun. All right, folks. Well, that's it for, for our portion, and I hope you enjoy the chat we had with Jason Warner-Smith, who plays Gavin on The Walking Dead. Enjoy. Welcome, Jason. And uh, tonight we have myself, Tracy, and Sonia is with me, who is one of the writers for Undead Walking. She's going in for Tamish, um, who has some laryngitis, unfortunately, so there's no talking uh, with her tonight. But we thought it would be a great opportunity to pick Jason's brain a little bit about the amazing fifth episode of season eight of The Walking Dead this past week. Um, it was it was really on fire. I think everyone enjoyed it quite a bit, um, especially with the huge cast of characters that we saw all in one episode. So let's. Um, the first thing we have for you, Jason, um, Gavin seems yeah. to be exasperated with the escalation of events of events at this point in the season. Is that a fair statement? And how would you say he's holding up as of eight oh five? Oh, he's exasperated with everything. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, uh, he. It's it's interesting. He seems to be the only person that's like going, "Hello, hello, uh-huh. guys." What's, yeah. what's happening here? It's like cause everybody else has got their vendettas or their crazy psychotic ideas, <laughs> and you know, and I can see right through Gregory, and it's just like, come on, guys, we're 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 being played like a symphony right now. Yeah, we need to figure out what's going on, or we're all in trouble. Yeah, and I think that you know, it just yeah, you know, they've given me these great lines to say that Gavin seems to be the, the level head in the room. Exactly. Um, yeah. So exactly. That's, that's my opinion. Well, you're playing yeah. it really well because that's totally how I interpret it. How about you, Sonia? Definitely. He comes that? across, yeah. yeah, he comes across as the one person in the room who really is just wants to take care of the problem. He doesn't really yeah. care about the personality conflicts or getting back at other people. He just wants to solve the problem and go on with life. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, know. cool. Yeah. Well, you played it very well. It's definitely coming across on screen. Well, thank you like very that. much. It's very kind of you. I've given right. some really good lines. It's yeah. funny, um, that, that speech that uh, I had about, you know, 
somebody in here is ratting us out and mm-hmm. everybody out there knows everything and all that. They, um, mm-hmm. We actually had to come back the, the second day when we were working on that scene and they did a reshoot of that oh. scene with a much, a much shorter version of that speech. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. I guess we're going to have to cut it, cut it down for time because, you know, it was a long episode. Uh-huh. And luckily, they went with the longer speech, so I'm, I'm very glad, glad they, that did. they did that. Yeah. Yeah, it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't have had the same effect otherwise, I don't think. So I think it really drove yeah. the point home. All right, Sonia, did you have a question for Jason? When you were filming those big scenes with everybody, what when was I went that where? Like? When you had all, you had the table scene, when you had all these big personalities all in the same room, we've never really seen that. We've never really seen all the favors. The, the head oh, yeah. in one place. So was that a super serious scene to shoot, or were you all, like, making each other crack up the whole time? Uh, well, it, 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 it's good. That's interesting. Um, it, it's kind of a funny thing. I don't know if you've had this experience where you're thrown into a group of people that are, like, all friends and are buddies and everything, and then you're, like, the new guy. Ah. And, <laughs> and, and that was kind of the experience because, you know, they – They've all been working together, uh, well, with the exception of Tracy Dinwiddie, who plays Regina. She was completely new. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, But everybody else, you know, they have a relationship. They've been hanging out together. And plus, everybody at that table except Tracy and I are series regulars. And mm-hmm. so they, they, they do all the press stuff together. They, you know, they, they go to you – know, they, and then they're also getting paid a lot more money than we are. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so – you know, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's talking about, you know, the seventh motorcycle that he just got. And I was like, I've got a, a motorcycle. Here's mine. And uh, he's like, yeah, that, that's cool. But, you know, um, it was uh, Stephen Ogg is just on all the time. And he's exactly okay. he's exactly like Simon. I mean, you know, all, all, the, all the people that play those characters are very much like their characters. I mean, they're not murderers in, in real life. They're all actors. Of course. But, but their personalities are very suited to those particular characters, and that's you know, and mine as well. You know, I mean, all of our characters are very suited to the type of people that we are. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was definitely a lot of fun, a lot of laughter, a lot of joking around. Um, that particular week, I remember. I don't know if you remember. This is kind of a guy thing, but there's that game that we would play in middle school where you. Put a, you put your fingers in the circle and put them like on your leg, and if somebody looks at it, you get to punch them in the shoulder, kind of uh, game. Yeah. We were we were playing that you know, <laughs> between takes, and, and there you go. Getting out of yeah, and, and with uh, there's a guy named uh, Greg Rothstein who's one of the um, eight the assistant directors uh, on the production staff, and he 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 they were getting him really bad, and so um, he he went up. He, he shows up, and we're all sitting there in the chairs kind of waiting for him to set up the next shot, and he, he hands out envelopes to uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Austin Emilio and Josh McDermott and Stephen Ogg. And he says, these just came down from the office, guys, here. You know, it's like little courier envelopes or whatever. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They all, they all pull them out, and it's a photocopy of his hand in the circle position, and he got all four <laughs> of them at once. <laughs> That's so hilarious. a lot of that kind of – yeah, was going on with those guys. It's very, very different than hanging out with Kari Payton and Lenny James and the Kingdom folks. Very <laughs> different. Okay. Vibe. Very different vibe. Yeah. That's funny. Well, so it's some heavy material, so it's good that you can joke a little bit and, but kind of still stay in character of those crazy guys. 
So. Oh yeah. At one point, you know, after like the, you know, umpteenth time that, uh, JDM had slammed that bat on the table. He's like, my thumb is really starting to get sore. How many times do we have to do this again? Because they have they have a foam rubber bat and then they have the real oh, bat. And so, okay. And so he was when he's using the real bat, it really jars his hand, which would anybody. Sure. He's not a wood. Yeah, yeah. It would, it would hurt anybody's hand. So you know, yeah. Right. It, it took it took us it took it took a, a, an entire day to shoot that scene. It's, that's the thing about mm-hmm. shooting table scenes. You got to slowly move the camera around the table and get everybody's okay. coverage. Right. So you can only use one or two cameras at the most. So it's, it's it's tough to shoot that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. All the little things we don't we don't think about as the viewers. That's, that's right. Cool. Right. Well, so one we more had, thing. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, say, well, because we also had you know um, the character of Arat and Laura and um, oh, what's Mike Steele's character's name? I can't remember now. The, Isn't it Mike? Uh, Isn't it also Mike on the? I think he's yeah, also Mike it on is. the. I think it so. Might be. I can't remember, but, you know, we had all of them in there, too. So yeah, A lot of people right. in that room. A lot of stuff. A lot on. to cover. Yeah. And, yeah. And another nice thing is the scene when we walk out into the hall and all of the workers are up there. Is, mm-hmm. uh, uh, uh Brooke J. Taylor, who was the female that was uh, at the end going, you know, I'm not leaving that, that stuff. Yeah. So she's an old friend of mine from Atlanta. So it was fun to get to work with her that day. Cool. Matter of fact, it reminds me, I can, I can publish those pictures that we made that day now. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, please share. Well, we have our guesses, but we're also wondering, um, of all the folks around that table or in that room, who do you think Gavin trusts the most and why? Yeah, I saw that question. He doesn't doesn't trust any of them. Okay. He he doesn't trust any of them. Um, Okay. No, no, you know, again, I mean, I I think he he trusts Megan, but Megan's also, you know, crazy. He could just mm-hmm. turn on a dime on you, and right. you know I think they have a long, they have a long track record together. Um, okay. There's things I can't talk about that'll explain that later. But, yeah. Um, they they um, they uh, you know Megan trusts Gavin, and okay. because he's not he's not uh, he's not crazy like Simon and mean. Um, he he hasn't been betrayed like Dwight was when his wife. Right. You know, and, and he's just got a, I don't know, and the, re, the relationship with Regina at this point, I don't really know. Okay. Because um, I haven't, I haven't seen those scripts, what happens later with her. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, they have a, they, he trusts him, but he also knows that the more time he can spend away from Megan, the better. He doesn't like coming into these meetings. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Makes a, makes a ton of sense. All they're, right. They're never for good things. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. You don't you don't want to you don't want to hear about the meetings, yeah. No news you know, is good I news. Just with stay, out, stay out there at the chemical outpost and send my stuff yeah. in and be left alone. That's all I want. Yeah, it was pretty cool to find out what your outpost was. We'd all been yeah, wondering. I've, so Yeah, it's nice for me to actually finally see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty fancy one too. That's that was a big layout. Yeah, I guess so it was a big layout. Impressive. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we don't want to keep you too long. We really appreciate all the scoop, and um, just want to remind folks that um, Jason and some of the other Savior guys are going to be um, watching the episode at the Ship and Anchor Pub in Sandy Springs for the mid-season finale, which is December 10th, 
I believe. December so, 10th. Um, if you're, uh, yep. If you're around this way, it'd be fun to uh, to hang out and watch with some other folks. It's always a good time. Come on down. So, yeah, I mean, all right. I, at this point, I, I, unless I'm sick or arrested, I'll be there. So. Uh, <laughs> okay. Good deal. Okay. <laughs> well, let's hope not either one. So. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much, Jason. We'll catch you Thank later. Thank you. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you, Tracy. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.